When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I didn't love myself. I loved the performance of me. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life that we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about different topics and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you think, laugh, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. This introductory episode is all about where I believe I've been miseducated. It's all about self-love. Self-love seems pretty self-explanatory, but it's not. And personally, for me, it's a term and a concept that I've tried to grapple with and understand for a really long time now. So without further ado, let's begin. Welcome to the first official episode of the Miseducate podcast. How are you today? How are you feeling? What's going on? How's your day been? I mean, for me, I'm pretty excited right now, but I'm also kind of nervous as well because, you know, this is my little pet project of mine and it's kind of been mine for so long and now I'm kind of like releasing it into the world. It's like my child. Um, but yeah, it's it's really exciting. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see where this goes. I'm not expecting to become like, I don't know, um, like a famous podcaster or anything, but it's just something that I wanted to push myself to do. So that's why I wanted to do it. But actually, I'll go into a little bit about the actual like story of um, why I even started um, Miseducate, like a podcast for Miseducate um, and like how it came to be. So it started in November 2020. I got this idea in November 2020. And it was just kind of like one of those ideas that was, I'd thought about it for a really long time. And I just kind of like spoke it out 
in November 2020. I can't remember the exact day, but um, I just remember having this thought and just being really excited with it. And as soon as like I had the thought, I was like, okay, now that I've said it out loud, like I've just got to run with it. It was basically um, Miseducate the Podcast is kind of like a branching out from just writing, you know, blogs and stuff like that. Um, I guess also because I am a talker. I am one of those people that I do enjoy talking and I do enjoy having conversations with different people and learning from other people. And I think that there's a lot, as I say in the introduction, there's a lot on my blog that like I really want to expand on and that there's so much research and there's so much different, there's also so much like different stories behind those blogs and so much more than just, you know, um, a five minute um, blog post and a five minute blog read. I kind of find it funny that I describe myself as a talker because for some people who have met me, um, especially people that haven't known me at university, you're probably thinking she's a talker. She likes to talk. What? What are you talking about? Um, and then there are probably people that are listening to this probably because you've met me within the past four years that I've been at university and you're like, oh, this makes so much sense this just makes so much sense that Sarah would start a podcast for those of you who are in the former group I'm trying to find a way that is not as like um aggressive and as mean as saying I just don't want to talk to you um it's more that I'm not as comfortable around certain people than I am around others like yeah university has taught me so much and has helped me kind of grow out of my um shell and stuff like that but I guess I'm just kind of like an introverted extrovert in which I have to be very completely comfortable with within the environment that I'm in and with with the people that I'm surrounded by in order to fully feel like I can be myself. And but I think that's also a kind of like the point of this podcast is like I want to like stretch myself. I want to really like um, challenge myself because I love and I really do enjoy listening to other people and the experiences of other people. And I always said with my blog, I think I even wrote it in the kind of like the first blog post that's on my old blog, um, that I want to be interviewing people. I don't want it to just be about my stories, but about other people's stories. So this kind of having this podcast is kind of like my way of being like, hi, I have a podcast. Would you like to be on it? Can I ask you questions about like aspects of your life that you've felt that you're miseducated on and different things like that? And that's, you know, it's not just like creating content and stuff like that, but it's also a way for me to like branch out and like get out of my shell. But yeah, I had this idea in November 2020 and I started, as soon as I got the idea, I started conducting interviews and like doing different things with different people. Um, and then it got to December. So a month later, um, I go home for the end of term. I'm going home. It's literally the last day of term. I'm at home. I've just done, I literally had just done an interview with somebody as well. And you'll be hearing that episode soon. I just done an interview with somebody. I'm buzzing. I'm on top of the world. I literally, I remember boasting about this interview with my parents. I was like, guys, I just did this interview with such and such person. Da, 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 da. And they're like, 
you know, as parents are, as African parents are, they're like, oh, okay, wow, oh, yeah, oh, wow, oh. If they don't understand something, they're just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, wow, wow. They have no idea what I was talking about. They probably had no idea of what I was talking about. But I just want to encapsulate this feeling of, like, you have just done something that is so exciting but was so nerve-wracking and you're excited and you're ready to edit it and you can't wait for it to be released into the world and you're kind of like, wow. I think at this point of, like, the podcast journey, I was just, like, I was over the nerves and I was over feeling, feeling kind of like that... Um, I was over the first initial hurdle of imposter syndrome and I was really rearing and ready to go because I was like, yes, this podcast is going to be something. Da, 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 da. And then literally that night, my laptop breaks. I kid you not, my laptop breaks that night. I am devastated. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to give a dramatic pause, but I was, I really was searching for the word of how to, honestly, it was like putting a pin in my balloon. It just had this, and it was like, yeah, it's like putting a pin in the balloon. Like I was just deflated. I was just kind of like, it was like a long, long sigh of like frustration. Cause I was like, what am I going to do now? Um, also within that month, the music license that I was using had come to an end. It wasn't my own music license. It was somebody else's music license. So I can't be mad about that coming to an end. It's kind of like using somebody else's Netflix. It's just one of those things that it's like, it's annoying. So you want to find somebody else who has a music license so that you can get the music back like uh, for, you know, the introduction and for the end and just kind of let everything be like cohesive and stuff like that so it was just okay that happened but I was more concerned with the fact that the interviews that I had just done were on my laptop and they had broke and like it had broke and I was just so frustrated with it so my dad gives my laptop to a family friend and he says that he can fix it and I'm thinking it's going to be like a week or something. It's not that bad. I'm using my parents' laptop to continue doing my assignments for university and stuff. Like it's it's kind of like I was deflated, but I still had this optimism because I was like, it's fine. It's just a little bit of a delay, but it's okay. I should clarify here that I was meaning and intending to start this podcast series in the new year. It was supposed to be like new year, new podcast. Here you go. Um... And I was really, really excited about it, but there was a delay and I was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Then, so it's like, what, the 18th of December, it breaks. 25th of December, still don't have my laptop. New Year's Eve, still don't have my laptop. I'm literally like telling my dad, I'm like, dad, where is my laptop? What's going on? Why is it taking so long? And there was so many different issues. Um, I don't really... I know what happened, but I just can't be bothered to go into that because it's just too much. But either way, like, I was just so devastated because all of those episodes that I had edited and interviews that I conducted were all on that laptop. And I was like, am I going to be able to get it back and all this different stuff? And um, 
it got to a point where on New Year's Eve, I just asked my dad, I was like, do you think I'm going to be able to get that laptop back? I need to go back to university soon. In like, I think two weeks, um, there was a lot of things that I was doing. I was very, very stressed. I was very, very stressed. There was a lot of tears around that time. I was so stressed. Um, and I just had this decision that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy a new laptop. There's no point of waiting. I'm a university student in my final year. I can't afford to um, to have any more of a delay in my in doing my work. I had deadlines that was coming up. It was just a very stressful time for me. Um, and I thought I'm going to have to start again with the podcast and everything. But I was like, it's okay. There's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Because my old laptop it died and it literally would not come on but all of the files and everything that was on my laptop was still um there like it was there it just wasn't accessible so there was just going to be a delay in releasing the episodes especially because at the time that my old laptop was finally fixed I was now back at university so I didn't have those files with me and I did think about asking my parents to kind of like try and send them over through email but the complications of everything and the software that I was using on my old laptop would not for some reason work on my new laptop which was also something that was very irritating um honestly I just wanted like at at this point where it was just like, yeah, at this point, this is like January 2021. I'm thinking, okay, I can release it in February 2021. Um, like, I'm, I'm just going to wait a month and then release it. And I'm literally saying to myself, you know that video of the guy that's like, it's okay, it's okay. That, that's literally me. I was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine. It's not that deep. You know, you're a final year student. You have bigger priorities. You have other things to, like other fish to fry all this different stuff I just need to get my old files back and focus on school and I think even with this episode this introductory episode I have redone this episode five times because of I don't know I guess I'm a perfectionist and I want to get it right but I don't even know what I'm striving to get because it's not like I have you know the creme de la creme of like equipment and stuff like that so I'm editing things, I'm about to go home to get the other podcast episodes and stuff like that and slowly start releasing them to you guys and then I remember, oh crap, what about the music? I need introductory music, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? Again, it's kind of like I'm looking around trying to see whether I can get music for free but I'm like, Ugh, do I want to do that, do I... Um, want to go down that road or should I just you know pay for my own license and get my own music for the podcast and then I realized hold up a second hold up a second Sarah Gifugu you know talented people you know people that are very talented why don't you just reach out to somebody and um I reached out to Matt who we worked together at uh, Camp Lador, which I worked at a summer camp in America for the past um, two summers, 2018 and 2019. And Matt and I were on the worship team together. And Matt is an incredible musician. He's an incredible singer. He's an incredible producer. And I just reached out to him and I was like, Matt, will you please do the music for me? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, your God sent, thank you so much, it's amazing. And he sends me over like the um, 
the the song which the like music for the beginning of the podcast episode which you've just heard and wasn't it amazing come on come on come on gas it up a little bit gas it up just a little bit come on gas it up just a little bit just a little bit because you know it was good it was good right it was amazing um but yeah as i said that was all the work of matt matthew moore he's an independent artist and he's just and he has just released a song called mine which is available on all streaming platforms the information will be in the description of this episode and yeah i just need to go and like support and hype up matt he's an independent artist and yeah we need to support independent artists and we need to support black artists that was a very long winded story about how i got to this point but here we are at this point and I just kind of quickly want to, before we go into depths with the topic of this episode, just kind of clarify and talk about the whole premise of the podcast and the whole premise of the podcast is about learning, unlearning and relearning and disclaimer, I don't expect to say things that are always going to be correct and right, you know, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. but this is supposed to be an introspective and cathartic place for not just me but for my guests and for you my listeners so I require people to be respectful um to me to my guests and to my listeners with miseducate it's about having that space to look within and to see aspects of life from a different perspective I'm looking to talk to people and to learn and also to learn from myself and so the format of the episodes will kind of be conversational one-on-one interviews some will be discussion based with multiple guests and some will be solo episodes and today's episode is an example of a solo episode and I thought it would be good to do because since I'll be asking people where they feel that they have been miseducated I thought I should probably start with where I have been miseducated and as I said in the introductory in the introduction of this episode, I have been miseducated in the area of self-love. Definitely been a Kickstarter from my blog and it's definitely, um, there's been so many complexities and nuances that have come with it. Um, if you look at the first ever entry to my blog, it is called Growing Up Black and that is where I kind of like not necessarily come to terms but I come to understand that I was a very insecure child And my insecurities were definitely centered around hating my skin, hating my hair, hating my name, hating my culture, hating my body and hating everything about myself. It didn't help that during primary and secondary school, there were times where I was bullied and it just made me feel so... I think it made me feel so low in myself that I didn't necessarily want to be the person that was seen. I just wanted to blend in so desperately. Um... Yes, I wanted to be attractive to especially the people that I had crushes on, but all in all, I just wanted to assimilate as best as I could. I was that quiet girl. I was anxious all the time. I would hate saying my name even as my teachers were calling the register. I just hated myself so much. I didn't want to draw attention to myself, which, yeah, I just... It was this constant battle within myself that I was like, I want people to see me, but I don't want to be seen at all. Um, I think it got to a point where I was so anxious and uncomfortable within myself that I had to find some kind of way to control that insecurity, which was at the age of 10, I decided that I was going to have my hair chemically relaxed. 
for those of you who are listening and have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm saying chemically relaxed, it means that my hair was no longer an afro. I was literally applying chemicals to my hair that would alter the structure of my hair to make it straight. Um, I did that from the age of... I started doing that when I was 10 years old. Um, And it was literally done. I know that I did this for the primary reason. This is not the same for everyone. So don't come at every black girl that has, um, or black person general, period, that has relaxed hair. I just know that when I decided to do it, it was to appease my anxiety and the insecurity. But it never did that. It never appeased the anxiety. It never erased the anxiety at all. And if anything, I believe that it was just a rabbit hole of more that led towards more self-loathing. So from the ages of 10 to around, I would say 15, 16, 17, around that time, I was continuously chemically relaxing my hair because as my, you know, natural hair, my natural afro was growing out, um, was growing, um, you have to keep continuously like relaxing your hair to kind of, I guess, hide? Would hide be the best word? I I, I don't know how to describe it, but that's what I was doing anyway. Um, So yeah, I got to around like 15. And that's when I started to see that, you know, the natural hair movement was starting to pick up some speed and gaining a lot of attraction. Well, it was for me anyway. That's the time that I found it. And I started seeing that it wasn't just like, you know, black influencers online showing how like, this is how you take care of your hair. And this is like a DIY um, hair mask. And this is, I'd never seen it before. And I was really intrigued and really excited about it. And also my friends were also kind of like, um, they had either stopped chemically relaxing their hair or they were, they had never done it to begin with. And I was like, I want to go back to my natural hair. I because I would see them and I would be like, wow, they're so beautiful. Look at them with their natural hair. This is so great. I want to go back to that. And I think for me, it was a significant, it was very significant for me to try to go, to want to go back to my natural hair was because it was for me, again, because I did it to appease my anxiety, it was now me saying to my anxiety, you no longer, um, this insecurity, this anxiety that I feel, concerning my blackness, concerning how I appear to myself and how I love myself, you can no longer, like, hold me anymore. Like, you can, yeah, you can no longer hold me anymore. Like, I'm going to love myself. So when I was 16, I decided to transition. And the term transitioning is basically you start to grow out your natural roots and at a certain point, you cut off your relaxed ends so that um, you can, yeah, just go back to your natural hair state. There was one night where I was undoing my hair, while I was undoing my protective hairstyle, which was which is always box braids, my go-to. Um, so I'm undoing my hair, my mum is helping me, and I'm in this mode of transitioning, and if there's something... Hold on, let me stress this. Hold on, let me get myself comfortable so I can stress this point to you. If there is something that people in the natural hair community do not tell you about uh, transitioning, it is this. When you're transitioning between um, from relaxed to going to your natural hair, it hurts like hell. 
I tell you now, it hurts like hell. I think some people think when you're transitioning that what hurts is your natural hair because you're not used to, like, afro. It's not. It's literally the border. The border. <laughs> it's like this borderline between... um the the relaxed end and the natural ends and the kind of difference between the two and I don't know what it is but that is hell I hated it so much so when I was undoing my or when my mom and I were undoing my hair it got to a point where like we were trying to comb it out because obviously you're trying to comb out and detangle your hair and it's in box it after it's been in box braid for a couple of weeks you know, we're using everything, we're spraying the water, we're doing the do's, we're doing everything just to try and make it less painful. It was so painful. I was all, you know, when you're just sitting there and your mum's even telling you don't cry and the tears just come out of your eyes and you're not even telling them to come out of your eyes, they just come out. Oh, it was painful. It was painful. It was so painful that even my mum felt sorry for me. My mum felt sorry for me. Now, imagine this, your African mother feels sorry for you. The one who tells you, don't cry. If I, if you cry, you're going to undo your hair by yourself. That kind of, yeah, no, even she felt sorry for me. She got so fed up of my hair that I remember her clearly saying to me, she was like, Sarah, I'm sorry, I really don't want to undo your hair. Can we just cut it? And this is normally the point because, okay, people are probably listening to this and, you know, it's triggering memories of when, you know, you're, you're sitting with your mom, she's undoing your hair, da-da-da-da. She says this line, oh, I can't be bothered to undo this hair, just do it yourself. If you keep crying, I'm going to cut it. Like, we're so used to it, it's triggered that memory for you. However, in this particular instance, as soon as my mom said this, I thought for a second and I just said to her, do it. And my mom's like, what? 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 And I'm like, no, seriously, mom, cut my hair. Cut the relaxed ends of my hair. I can't deal with it. In my head, running through my head is this thought of, no, if she cuts your hair, it's going to be too short. Your afro is not long enough. You're going to look like a little boy. No, don't do it. But like, for some reason, I don't know what it was. I felt so at peace with this decision. Um, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, I'm going to look like a little boy, but that's okay. Just get rid of this hair. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So my mom gets the scissors and she's like, don't cry, don't cry, there's no going back. Once I start cutting, there's no going back. And I'm bracing myself for this moment. Images of, you know, models in America's Next Top Model is coming to mind when they're having their hair cut and they're crying and they're bawling their eyes and they're holding their hair and they're like screaming. And I'm just like so ready for it to happen. And I'm bracing myself, literally bracing myself so tightly. I'm like, oh, I'm going to look like a little boy, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And my mom just chops. And the biggest smile comes onto my face. And I can only explain the feeling of feeling as if I had been liberated from something. I felt lighter. I felt excited I smiled so like I smiled from ear to ear 
I looked at my little hair. I said I looked like a little boy, but it was okay. I was cute. Uh, <laughs> no, but like I wasn't concerned about how I looked. I just felt so good within myself. It's interesting because the next day my little cousin saw me and they were like, what did you do? <laughs> and I was like, um, rude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just felt so free and... I think I look at that moment and I remember even when I wrote growing up like the first um the first ever blog post on my blog I accredit this moment of cutting my hair and going natural as the moment in which I decided that I was going to love myself and that it was now time for me to love myself rather than um appease the anxiety that says you're disgusting within your blackness da 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 um I would find out differently soon enough. So as I said, I was like 17 at this time. Um, the next year, I went to university. I applied for university. I got into university. That's a story within itself. If you would like to hear that story, let me know, because it's a good story. Um, I never shut up about it. Um, so I applied to university. I get into university, and I decided to go to university down um south i'm originally from the from the midlands um so from coventry and i decided to go to the university of essex and let me just tell you something <laughs> let me tell you something okay when i went to university <laughs> this is how i describe first year sarah i describe it like this to everybody that asks and even if you don't ask i'm gonna describe it to you anyway shenanigans 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 and more shenanigans ensued when I went to university because I was just more confident and I was no longer so-and-so's daughter or so-and-so's sister I was now me I was just Sarah I was just Sarah Gathugu and so I went to university shenanigans ensued I was more confident I was meeting new people I was going out I was talking to guys I was, fe I was feeling more attractive um Snapchat adventures, um, and I was happy. I was really, really happy. Um, also, I thought um, no, I was, I was happy at times. Let me not get it. Let me not get it t twisted and get it wrong because I really did enjoy my first year. It's just you know some things. Towards the end of my first year, uh, my mental health was definitely going down the drain, and. That summer, I decided to go to America. And when I came back, I always accredit to the summer of 2018 as like life changing because it was. And I went to America and I was counselor at a summer camp. And I'd spent my whole summer basically encouraging young girls to, you know, love themselves and to, you know, encourage them in their faith with God and stuff like that. And I remember just feeling like such a hypocrite because I was like, oh, I'm doing this for all these little girls, but like I can't even do it for myself. Like, And those girls, shout out to my kids. They're my kids. Um, not physically my kids, but they were my kids for five days. Uh, they drove me insane, but uh, they really checked, like they checked me. They came for me and they checked me. They were like, Miss Sarah, da 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 So many lessons that I learned from like 10 year old girls. They came for me and they checked me and yeah. And when I came back for my second year of uni, 
I was doing shenanigans. I was still doing shenanigans, but things just felt really, really different. It was a very um, heavy time for me when I came back. And um, I remember it was literally my birthday, the night of my birthday. Um, at the time, I'd been talking to this guy for a, a, a while. I was in a, I was in a uh, situationship with this particular person. And I remember on the night of my birthday or the next night, whatever it was, just having this conversation with my friend literally in the doorway, crying to her, talking about how I needed to get out of this situationship, how it was so wrong, how we were so unhealthy for each other, how he made me feel like an idiot and stupid and said very insensitive things and then turning to her after saying all these things literally you know those ugly cries where the snot is coming out your nose and your eyes are just watering and literally I turned to her she's crying too because I'm literally like she's so um, like we're both so emotional and I turn to her and I just say to her even though he treats me like crap I'm still gonna stay with him and my friend literally looks at me and says, who told you you're unworthy of love, that you would settle for somebody who makes you feel like crap? Who told you that you are unworthy of love, that you would settle for somebody who treats you like crap? Her words pissed my soul. I know that's very it's very dramatic, very of me to say, very hyperbolic, but I am a creative writing student. Either way, her words really haunted me. Like it haunts me to this day that I am able to remember everything that she said. And we were talking at like three o'clock in the morning. And I remember that her words triggered within me this this kind of deep, dark, dark dive into within myself and I realized that even though you know I was I was more confident I was more outgoing I was da 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 all these different things from first year especially in relation to the summer that I'd had working at the summer camp that I did I realized I couldn't sit alone with myself or sit alone with my thoughts that this new Sarah first year Sarah as I like to call her was, yes, she was confident, and as I said before, she was very much the polar opposite of who I was as a child, and she was everything I wanted to be as a child, and I loved it. I loved it, and I loved her, and I realised I loved the performance of her. I loved who I thought I could be rather than who I actually was, and who I was and who I had been in the past. I realised I didn't love myself. I loved the performance of me. And that really, really triggered my journey of self-love and trying to understand what self-love really is. I should clarify that I don't necessarily think that I was always fake or like I had never authentically been myself. I think there are aspects of, you know, first year Sarah that I carry with me don't ever think that I, you know, I was ever really portraying like a a costumed performance. It was kind of like 
I was presenting kind of like mistruths about me. It was like there was one little bit of aspects of truth nested within this kind of whole facade. And I had to stop looking at myself as this kind of like next performance, next next idea, next reinvention of self. It was more like I had to look at myself in relation to my past and my present and then allowing me to see the future. Um, but I think if there's a couple of things that I really realised about self-love that was kick-started from that moment, which literally happened two years after I had, I had cut my hair, is that self-love cannot be dependent on the validation of others. When I thought of this point, I, I kind of thought it was almost ironic how your own value and your own worth is based on others. That your own self-assigned value, my self-worth was dependent on this boy who treated me like crap. And I thought to myself, it almost kind of commodifies and cancels out my own thoughts and opinions. That my voice is negated and what values more is having somebody else who is of a higher status in my opinion and in my perspective to assign my worth for me. So because this boy wasn't doing it for me, then it meant I meant nothing. Little did I know I could give that to myself. I could say that, okay, he doesn't find value in me. That's fine. Go away. Goodbye. It's okay because I find value within myself. But that's something that I had to learn because I had to learn, especially in that moment with my friend, that like self, your self-worth is dependent on yourself. It seems so simple to say that, but it's it's not. It's not because we commodify ourselves and we we um we look to others. It's so easy to look to others than to look within ourselves to assign how much value we are to ourselves and thus how much value we are to the world around us. But the decision is up to us. Honestly, I say that with a question mark because I'm still grappling with it. Um, if I'm very honest, if I'm very truthful, I'm, it's still something that I have to grapple with. Um, a second thing of what I learned was that it's harder to love yourself as a black woman like, it's really, really hard to love yourself as a black woman. It's really hard for me to... I can will be lying to you if I said I get up every day and I look myself in the mirror and I say, you are a beautiful black woman, this is amazing, when I know that the intersection of, you know, racism and sexism exists, otherwise known as misogynoir, which is a term coined by Moya Bailey, connecting misogyny and noir to describe the intersection of racism and sexism that black women experience, this kind of gendered and racial hatred. You know, women are constantly bombarded with information about how they are, you know, not good enough, not pretty enough, too sexual, too much of a prude, but the experience of being a black woman was very much navigating a space of being too, as I would like to call it, too invisibly visible. Let me explain that. It's, you're visible in terms of your blackness. You know, the people see that you're black. They're like, oh, black. Um, but you're invisible in the sense of your individuality. 
you know, people see black women as stereotypes, not as individuals with complexity and depth. And that's definitely who I was in the situationship with this guy. I was a stereotype. I was I was his entertainment. You know, you're constantly fighting these stereotypes all the time. And it's so freaking exhausting. It's so freaking exhausting because, because it comes from everyone. It comes from everyone. It comes from not just people outside of, um, you know, the black... Di- of 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 your race but also and your ethnicity but also from people within it also comes from black men it comes from black women there's so many different things out there that are trying to divide us from each other colorism featureism texturism so many different things you're not black enough you're too black you're too this you're da 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 like it's exhausting I think even just what I'm saying now is very much a dumbed down version of how difficult it is to navigate like self-love as a black woman when everything in society is telling you not to love yourself. You know, you're constantly hearing about, you know, how black women are not represented on, you know, TV, how black women are... um, seen as not desirable in comparison to other women um there's so many different things I feel like this could just be an episode within itself and and maybe it will be but self-love as a black woman is freaking exhausting man it's freaking exhausting so yeah you've got to take every victory as it comes but I guess also from that night something that really like awoken within me was like being aware of myself I really became aware of myself and like my own inner saboteur ways like not everything that I think when it comes to self-love sometimes we have this kind of like disillusioned idea that we're going to love ourselves all the time and we're going to be like I am amazing and I can do no wrong um but as I decided or as I started to uncover things about myself and I guess even sometimes the things that I uncovered myself I unwillingly uncovered by about myself I didn't want to know that you know I'm really selfish and I'm really this and I'm really that like I didn't want to uncover these things about myself but it just happened anyway and I had to pay attention to them and as much as I tried to you know um disillusion myself and say I'm perfect I was realizing I'm not perfect at all um and I was realizing that you know yeah, not everything about myself I was gonna love. If anything, I was like, ooh, cringe, this is really annoying. You know, I became of ways that I became aware of, you know, the unhealthy situations that I allowed myself to be in and that I participated in and how comfortable those things made me feel. Um, the example was the situationship and other situationships that I was in before, like prior to that one. Um, I was so comfortable in them and I find that even within self-love like and trying to navigate self-love is that it's more uncomfortable trying to navigate that than it is to navigate the toxic environments that you've previously been in and I think from being self-aware I kind of learned that you know not every day is going to be rosy and wonderful like there are days I wake up and I hate everything about myself like I did when I was you know eight years old 
I have days I want to give up. I have days where I feel like the world hates me and I don't blame the world for hating me because I hate myself too. But I allow myself to go through the motions and I allow myself to feel however I'm feeling and I try to, you know, track the thought. But some days I can't track the thought or trace where it's coming from. Track and trace, sorry. I didn't mean to trigger everybody with that. Um, But I... It kept getting to, like, um, moments where I'm not able to always, you know, find and isolate the... Again, what is with these, like, pandemic um, rhetoric that I'm using? But it's not every day that I was able to find the negative thought and isolate it and, you know, expel it from... (laughs) Expel it from my mind or anything. It was just kind of like sometimes it would stay there. Sometimes it would stay there for days and stuff like that, but... I guess this is something that, again, I'm learning slowly and very stubbornly learning, especially, I mean, if my therapist ever listens to this, this is something we've definitely talked about is like taking the positives with the negatives, like taking them together. Um, Yes, this is a crappy time right now. But what did you learn from it? And, you know, you know, that was a crappy situation. But what did you learn? What did you take away from it? And trying to find like, neutral ground again because I said because as I said before I don't want to disillusion myself and be like I am perfect there's nothing wrong that I can do because that's not really you know holding yourself accountable and holding yourself responsible for the things that you do do wrong um but sometimes it is just about celebrating the mundane victories and telling yourself to carry on honestly really and truly carry on carry on carry on but yeah I think that from from that moment with my housemate from that moment with my friend Gabby like it really just started something within me that was like I don't think I'm ever gonna stop learning and I think this is the most irritating thing about self-love is that like even though I'm talking about it with you guys and I'm talking about my own experiences in my own journey is like no two experiences are alike there may be like maybe similarities but it's never alike the lessons that we learn are never alike um the things that you take away from it from an experience are not the same things that I take away from an experience but I think if there's something that's true is that like or something that I've realized and really had to like grapple with and get annoyed by constantly is that the the lessons that self-love that you teach yourself, they never end. The chapter does not close. The book does not close. You can't really um, buy into this kind of like franchise of self-love. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's, you know, overlapping and repetitive and, and it gets more intense sometimes. And sometimes you really have to go back to go forward. And sometimes you have to go inward to the core of things to really figure things out and to really deal with yourself and and it's difficult it's difficult and I don't think that anything that I can ever say to you listening to this will will make your journey of self-love more easy if anything I think it would just make it even harder because it's hard out here it's hard out here on these streets but you know, if there's something that I want you guys to take away is that, like, I've come to realise 
and I've been miseducated that self-love is this kind of like rosy journey but I've come to realize that self-love is a is a is a journey and it's a very haunting and daunting journey that requires like an awareness of self and what's going on around you and what you're taking in and how and how it does you harm and how could it harm others and if anything frankly it's exhausting <laughs> frankly self-love is like very exhausting because it's a relationship within yourself that you constantly have to participate with in yourself you're not leaning on anybody else you're leaning on yourself so you have to be this independent person and it's really exhausting and it requires accountability and introspection and again let me just say this one more time it's freaking exhausting <laughs> i i've put it in this metaphor that like self love is kind of like building a spaceship and going into deep space you know, astronauts have to train and you have a ground team and you have people around you who, you know, help you and keep you connected to Earth. But at the end of the day, you're still going into deep space. You know, you're still going into unknown territories. And that's the same with self-love. Like, you know, you do the do's, you read the books, you, you, you know, have dates with yourself, you, you try to treat yourself a little bit better, you have, you know, supportive people around you who are good for you and, and who will hold you accountable and responsible for your actions, but at the end of the day, it's your decisions, it's your deep space, it's your unknown territory that you have to learn about yourself. And yeah, lastly, self-love, especially as a black woman, which I only briefly touched on didn't even go into depth about it but self-love as a black woman is difficult <laughs> how many more times do I want to say difficult but it is difficult it's a very hard tiring journey but but I won't give up I won't give up and so with that being said what does self-love mean to you let me know on social media by following Miss Educate on Instagram. The handle is miss.educate and let me know the next topic that you want to hear about. Also, don't forget to catch up on blog posts at miseducateblog.com and add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new episodes. Check out the description for resources referenced in this episode and continue to watch, read, listen, educate and then re-educate yourselves. Thank you again for listening and make sure to rate, review and share this podcast with a friend and tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate podcast. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.